Take our Bibles and go to book of 3 John. 3 John. It's always an honor and a privilege to open the Word of God and to hear from the Word of God. And um, you know, what we're doing right now is absolutely, I believe, the highest form of worship because we're hearing from the Word of God. We're hearing from God Himself. Uh, and we're in the book of 3 John. And as we've been going through the series of uh, on being a great church member, we began looking last week at the subject of hospitality. And Gaius, who this epistle is written to, we've, we've learned a lot about him, haven't we, through uh, this book. And he, we know from last week that he was very hospitable uh, to both strangers and people that he knew. And we looked last week at why Gaius was hospitable, and, and today we're going to see somewhat more of why he was, but really what his hospitality consisted of. Because that will help guide us in our hospitality. What did, what did the hospitality of Gaius consist of? And of course, it's my prayer that the Holy Spirit will work in every heart that's here this morning. And, and he'll just convict us and help us see that we need to truly pursue hospitality as Christians and to other Christians. So let's go ahead and look at Third John verse 5. The Bible says, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well, because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such, that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for this time that we have to look into your word. I pray, Lord, you help each heart here to be very attentive and to seek what you'd have for them because no doubt you have something for each of us as the Word of God is preached. And maybe uh, for somebody here today, what you have for them is the, the truth of salvation. I pray, Lord, if there's somebody here this morning that's never trusted you as their personal Savior, that today they will do just that and that they'll no longer trust in works and they'll no longer trust in themselves or righteous acts, but that they'll trust fully in the blood of Jesus Christ. I pray that you also help us uh, to be Christians that pursue hospitality, not for our own glory, but for your glory, and that you help us to be more like you, help us to see the love of God uh, in, in our text to this morning, and, and just help us, Lord, in this area of hospitality, help us to see the love of God for what it is, and to be thankful for it, and to praise your holy name. And we praise you, Lord, for what you're going to do this morning in our hearts. And I pray you'll help us to be challenged and changed from the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the hospitality of Gaius, what was it like? From the verses that I read, we know, and we'll see this morning, that his hospitality was consistent, and it was charitable, and it was commendable. And of course, as, as you know, we'll break down these verses and we'll see these truths, but I want you to understand very clearly this morning that Gaius, he was able to be hospitable and he was able to do that which was unnatural, like we talked about last week, just being unselfish in our hospitality. He was able to do that because he was a true believer. He was a recipient of the immense and unnatural love of God. And as true hospitality, it is unnatural it takes a real work of God in the heart of a believer, and it takes true faith to bring about the fruit of hospitality. Let's go to James chapter 2. 
Look at James chapter 2. James chapter 2, we'll start with verse 14. James chapter 2, beginning with verse 14, the Bible says, he writes, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith, and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Now this passage here, it really makes it clear that good works will accompany salvation. Now if you're saved, the fruit of your life will manifest that truth. Now I say this all the time, but church, listen, we don't do good works to be saved. We do good works because we're saved. I, I do, I, I have righteous acts and I have the fruit of the Spirit because I'm saved, because God's planted that inside of me. And James, in this passage here, he, he uses an analogy pertaining to hospitality to make his point. And he compares faith without works to one that claims to have love and compassion, yet not showing it with their actions. Oh yes, I love my brothers and sisters in Christ, but I see them here. They have need of food. They have need of clothing. Well, depart. Be in peace. Be warm. Be filled. And then leave and do nothing about it. It doesn't even make any sense. Uh, that, that's not how it goes, and it would be the exact same way. I like to use this analogy, but it would be the exact same uh, thing if a husband would say to his wife and say to everybody, oh yeah, I love my wife. She's wonderful, she's awesome, but then he's abusive with his words. He's abusive with his actions. He treats her like garbage. He doesn't act like he loves his wife. So tell me this, does that husband really love his wife? He would say, no, he doesn't. But likewise, if you have true faith in Christ, you will live it out. Amen. You'll live it out. And unfortunately, in our, our world today, the, the Christianity that most people believe in, it's not a biblical Christianity at all. They don't genuinely love the Lord. They don't live out their faith. But one pastor truthfully said this, that one of the greatest evidences of being truly saved is that God will not allow us to talk like our flesh wants us to talk. Amen. It will not allow us to dress the way that the world wants us to dress, or act like the world, or smell like the world, or speak like the world, and listen to what the world listens to. It's not going to happen. And likewise, if you have true love for the brethren, then you will prove it with your actions. Amen. But this is a work of the Holy Spirit. And again, as part of the fruit of the Spirit is love, uh, it takes a work of God to love others enough to be hospitable. Amen. I want you to know that hospitality, it matters. It matters now. It mattered to Christ in the New Testament, as we saw last week. Uh, as Jesus said, uh, those who receive somebody in hospitality, uh, because they're in Christ and because of my name, that they have received me, it mattered to Christ. But also in the Old Testament, we find examples of hospitality that shows it, us that it was important back then too. Let's go to Genesis 18. I'll look at a couple of examples in Genesis. But Genesis chapter 18, and look at verse 1. Genesis 18, verse 1. The Bible says, And the Lord appeared unto him, 
speaking of Abraham, in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant, let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on, for therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened to the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal and knead it and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it to the young man, and he hastened to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. What do we see here? We see hospitality. Now Abraham uh, invited these three men uh, that were strangers and, uh, to a meal, but one of them was actually the Lord. And he, he, he uh, took these people in and he showed hospitality to them. But also look at Genesis chapter 19. And we like to pick on Lot, but Lot, he did this as well. Look at Genesis chapter 19, verse 1. It says in verse 1, it says, And there came two angels to Sodom at even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. And Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and ye shall rise up early and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly. And they turned in unto him and entered into his house. And he made them a feast and did bake unleavened bread. And they did eat. Well, what we see here is, again, hospitality. Lot uh, convincing these two visitors of Sodom to stay with him overnight. And he convinced them to allow them to, uh, him to wash their feet. And these visitors turned out to be angels. Now, another example, we're not going to go there, but is in Judges 13, when Manoah's wife showed hospitality to an angel of the Lord. So I'm just trying to make the point, church, that hospitality has always mattered. Hospitality has always been something that a believer should take part in. So the question this morning, though, is this. How are we to show hospitality to believers in this church and to strangers that uh, come in who are, of course, not false prophets, as we've established from 2 John? But the general... Answer to that question is found in our text. So let's go back there to 3 John. And it's found in a, a certain phrase in our text that I mentioned last week, but of course also in greater detail uh, throughout a few verses. But look at 3 John, look at verse 6. Verse 6 says this in 3 John, Which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort... Thou shalt do well. So how must we show hospitality? John says that we do well to show hospitality to both the brethren, but also specifically to brethren that are strangers after a godly sort, he says. Now remember, that, that phrase there simply means that we are to treat one another in hospitality in the same way that God would treat them. Amen. So... If you're a believer in Christ, you are to treat other believers in Christ the same way that God would treat them. Or you could say, treat others the same way that God has and does treat you. Amen. 
Think about this this morning. If you're a child of God, how does God treat you? But also, right along with that question, ask yourself this. How do you deserve to be treated by God? Paul talked a little bit about entitlement this morning in, in Sunday school. We have... And we're, we're very entitled. We think, oh, I deserve this, I deserve that. Listen, you deserve nothing. I deserve nothing. Knowing, knowing this, that our sin, that your sin, that my sin, is an offense to God. Knowing that your sin, and that my sin, nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. And knowing that Your sin and my sin has caused us to be made an enemy of God. Then tell me, how do you deserve to be treated by God? And if you don't know the answer, then I'll help you. As sinful men and sinful women, standing before a holy and perfect God, we all deserve to live in spiritual poverty. We deserve to be removed so far from God. We deserve to never hear from Him, to never know Him. We deserve eternal damnation. We deserve hell. You want to talk about what you deserve? That's what you deserve. And if you think otherwise, you are deceived. Our sin, it causes us to deserve no good thing. But listen, His grace brings us every good thing. I love what Thomas Watson wrote. He said that we must see the difference between sin and grace. Sin brings a man low, but grace lifts him high. Sin tumbles him in the ditch, but grace sets him upon the throne. You know, the story of God's grace and our salvation, it's very relatable to a story I read of an orphan and a young couple, and I would like to read that to you. It was very moving, and I thought it was very applicable to us. If, look, if you're saved, this is you. So listen close. It says, this young couple visited a boarding care home which housed children that were up for adoption and this caretaker brought out all the children who were clean and recently bathed and well-dressed and properly schooled in manners for this couple's inspection and selection. And as they passed down the line and they spoke to each child, they did not find a single one that they were looking for. They asked the caretaker, do you have any more children? And he said, yes, but he has not been cleaned up or dressed for viewing today. And they said, that's fine. We want to see him anyway. So after a few moments, this child was brought out and he stood with the rest of the children. And he was dirty and his face was unwashed. His hair was uncombed. His clothes were ragged and torn. He had no shoes. And his head was hanging there in shame as he stood with the other children. And after a few minutes of discussion, the couple, they were wiping tears from their eyes and they told the man that had brought him out, we want this child. We want to adopt this child. And he said, but hold on, this this child's not as nice as the other children. He's unmannered. He's dirty. He's unclean. His own parents don't even want him. And he said, also, we can't even get him to behave. Are you sure you want him? And they said, yeah, we want him. And they said, well, why would you want him? And they simply answered, we see in him the blessings of God for our home and the hope of a better life for him. And with shame, the man asked, well, do you want us to clean him up before we send him with you? And they said, no, we want him just the way he is right now. And listen, 
That is exactly how we come to the family of God. We are unclean. We are unworthy. We have absolutely nothing good to offer Him. We are undeserving. But in His grace, we're adopted. We're adopted. And listen, with this adoption comes every spiritual benefit. So as you see here this morning, I want to ask you, have you been adopted into the family of God? Have you seen yourself as unworthy before God, which is exactly what you and I are? And have you trusted in the finished work of Christ for your redemption? Is God, and if you could say, well, no, I've never had that moment. Well, maybe God is working in your heart and showing you his, your need for him. And if he's doing that, then you need to turn to Christ. You need Christ. If the Holy Spirit's drawing you, then come to him and repent of your sins and, and repent of your pride and, and, and trust him. But if you are a child of God this morning, then I want you to know that in the example of Gaius in 3 John, we see... Christ. Gaius, he could receive people in hospitality because Christ received him. Gaius could treat people the way that God would treat them because Gaius was treated very well by God. And as we see how Gaius went about being hospitable this morning, we're going to see the example of Christ and how he deals with us. And as we go through these points, we see in Scripture how the example of Gaius and hospitality relates to the, the children of God and what they have as they have the riches in Jesus Christ. So first, we see that the hospitality of Gaius was consistent. Let's look again at verse 5. Verse 5, his hospitality was consistent. It says in verse 5, speaking to Gaius, he said, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and the strangers. John uses two words here that speaks to the consistency of Gaius' hospitality, and that is the word doest and faithfully. Amen. What he did for the brethren, that he, both that he knew, that were familiar to him, and that he did not know, these strangers, he did it faithfully. He did it consistently. The word doest here, it means to labor, to perform. It emphasizes the process of the action rather than the end. And it, it includes that idea of continuity. He continued to receive people in hospitality. He continued to be kind to people. He continued to help them. And he continued to be hospitable. And he did this faithfully. It was a faithful work. He was consistent. Now again, he could do this consistently. He could faithfully receive others in hospitality because Christ was consistently faithful to him. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1. First Corinthians 1, and look at verse 8. The Bible says... Speaking of Christ, it says, Who shall also confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? And let me just stop right there and say, if you're in Christ, you're going to be blameless on that day, not because of you, but in spite of you. Look at verse 9. God is faithful, by whom ye were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So he's speaking here that in the verse 8, the day of the Lord. 
It's speaking of the day that Christ returns for his church, for his people. And he says he will confirm his children unto the end. And again, because of the trust in Christ, nothing can separate our soul from being secured, even from the enemy. And because of Christ, we are kept blameless forever. And again, just look at verse 9. God is faithful, by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, this is wonderful. In the grace of God, he remains faithful. He faithfully keeps us into the fellowship of Christ, and God faithfully keeps us saved by his grace. And I want you to know this morning, if you're saved, you had nothing to do with your salvation, so therefore you have nothing to do with keeping your salvation. It's all Jesus Christ. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5. First Thessalonians 5, look at verse 23. Verse 23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Amen. Amen. Praise God for that. Look, this fellowship that we have with Christ, it will remain And therefore, because this is so, we must and we can faithfully receive one another, we can love one another, and we can be hospitable to one another. Look, if you're a child of God, He has received you. He promises, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. He tells His children, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He promises that no man is able to pluck you out of His Father's hands. He says, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. So he receives us, and he keeps us continually and faithfully. He's consistently doing that. And this was the manner in which Gaius received others with hospitality, and this is the manner that Christ receives us. Secondly, the hospitality of Gaius was charitable. Let's go back to 3 John. It was charitable. 3 John, look again at verse 6. Look at verse 6, it says, Which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Now, as I mentioned last week, people that experienced the hospitality of Gaius, they were so thrilled by it, and it was just such good hospitality, that they even testified of it before the church. When it was testimony time, they would say, man, guys, he just did so good to take care of me and be hospitable. Uh, And they would testify and bear witness of it before the church. And his hospitality is described as charitable there. Again, look at it. It says, witness of thy charity. It was loving. It was generous. It was kind. It went above and beyond. And it was fervent like we saw last week. And he stretched himself and he did all that he could. And again, in this we see the way that Christ has received His children. He receives us with charity and with love. Let's go to third, uh, 1 John. A few pages back at 1 John. Look at verse, uh, 1 John chapter 3. We're going to look at a couple places here in 1 John. In 1 John 3 verse 1, the Bible says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him 
not. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Pay attention, look at, and, and study the, the manner of love that has been bestowed upon, God, uh, upon you by God. Go to chapter 4, verse 9. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. Actually, let's look at verse 8 first. It says in verse 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. Here in His love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Look, as children of God, He's given us an incredible and unfathomable love. And as He's received us into the kingdom of His dear Son, He does this with love. Amen. And a great illustration of this truth to help, uh, help us remember this is the analogy that the, the Bible gives us of Christ and the church as His bride. You know that Christ suffered more for His bride than any husband will ever suffer for His wife. He suffered poverty. He's the one that was crowned as king in heaven, but on earth he was crowned with thorns. He lived among the company of sinners so that his bride could live in the company of angels. And he gave up his life and he leaped into the sea of the Father's wrath so that he could save his bride from drowning. Man, what a God. And in His love, we have life. Now as He has received his, uh, us as His children and He receives us with incredible love, you may say, okay, well how does that affect my love for one another? How does that affect my hospitality? How does it cause me to have hospitality with charity? Well, look at verse 11 of 1 John 4. It said, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Amen. Look, because God loved us, we ought to love each other. Because God went to great lengths for my redemption, I can go to great lengths for other people. Amen. And we, have a, we live in a very selfish world where people say, well, look, don't give to people that don't give back. That is so unbiblical. It's so wrong. You give and you give and you give because that's what God does for you. Amen. He went to great lengths. And because God deals with each of his children with such deep love, I can deal with others with great love as well. Guys, he could be charitable in his hospitality because of the fact that God was charitable in receiving him. And I want you to know this morning that Gaius, he could be hospitable and charitable and loving to all those believers, even those that were hard to love. Amen. And he could do it because he knew that he was hard to love. Amen. Now, when it comes to other believers and treating them as God treats us, the point has been made by uh, a Puritan that a saint in this life is like gold in the ore, as much dross of infirmities cleave to him, yet we love him because of the grace that is in him. They said that the best emerald has its blemishes, the brightest star has their twinklings, and the best of saints have their failings. So the question must be asked, and listen close, 
If you cannot love another believer because of their infirmities and because of their sin and because of their failings, then how would you have God love you? Amen. I want you to understand very clearly this morning, as you sit here, you sit here as a frail and vile and unworthy sinner in the presence of many other frail and vile and unworthy sinners, including the person speaking to you right now. Listen, I, 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 and I'm saying this to myself, but I'm also saying it to you, I don't deserve the love of God. You, you know I have given God every reason not to love me. I've given God so many reasons to reject me, to cast me out, to give up on me, but he keeps me. He never leaves me. He never forsakes me. Despite the fact I've given him so many reasons to do it, he doesn't. So who am I? And who are you to be uncharitable and unhospitable to those that are maybe even the most unloving Christians in our own fleshly eyes? Because Christ loved me, I can love others. Because he continually bestows undeserved mercy and love on me, I can bestow love and mercy to all. Because he has received me in love, I can lovingly receive others. I just want to kind of dwell on this point for a moment here. You know, the Bible, it tells us that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now in this, we, we can understand in a way how wicked we are. We are so wicked that we don't even know how wicked we are. Think about that for a moment. You are so evil, you don't even know how evil you are. If you thought you were going to get a pep talk this morning, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> but this is the Bible truth. We are, and again, I am so wicked and so evil, I don't even know how wicked and evil that I am. But you know. Better than any other person in this room, any person in your family, you know how wicked you are. You know how prone you are to sin. You know how evil your thoughts can be. You know how terrible that your flesh can get. But as bad as all that is, and as bad as you know that you are, you don't even know how fully evil your heart is. But here's the thing. God knows. And if you are in Christ, He still loves you regardless. And if that truth does not push you closer to Him and cause His love to be poured out on others, then I strongly doubt that you even know God because as 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 says that we read, He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. The hospitality of Gaius was charitable. He was enabled to do this with charity because Christ showed charity to him. Now as I, I make that point, just the fact that he's so loving to us when we don't deserve it, that right there is worthy of never-ending praise. That truth. That's worthy of us coming to church to worship Christ when the church is opened. That's worthy of singing with thanksgiving in our hearts as we sing songs and hymns to him. And lastly, 
and this goes right along with it. Lastly, we see that the hospitality of Gaius, it was commendable. Go back to 3 John, verse 6. It was commendable. Verse 6, it says, Which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after God the sword, thou shalt do well. His hospitality was commendable, it was praiseworthy. Now we know, again, as I already mentioned several times, it was so good that people bore witness of it in the church. And John says here that those that treat others as God would treat them, they shalt do well. His hospitality was commendable, it was praiseworthy, and, and listen close, the receiving into the family of God that we get as His children, it is praiseworthy. It is commendable. It is uh, worthy of praise to the giver of eternal life, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 3. It says in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us, predestinated us unto the adoption of the children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. This passage, it starts out, that verse 3, it starts out with praise as it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that, that word blessed, it comes from a Greek word that just simply means praise or commend. So what must we praise God for? What should we commend God for? For giving His children every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. That's what we should praise God for. And by the way, as I said already, if you're in Christ, you don't lose your salvation. You still have your salvation. It's in Christ. So that right there, if you lose everything, if you have nothing left, you still have that, and he's worthy of praise. Listen, you can lose everything. You can lose your house. You can lose your family. You can lose everything in your bank account. But guess what? You cannot lose the riches that you have in Christ. So you can always praise him. In Christ, we're heirs of his righteousness and his position and his power. And as this passage tells us, he has chosen his children to be adopted into his family. So because of this, we've been accepted. And it's caused us to be loved, and we should praise him for the glory of his grace. Look again at verse 7. It says in verse 7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. This redemption here, it's the way it's used, it relates to the paying of a required ransom to God for the release of a person that's in bondage. So the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, it paid for every child of God as they were once enslaved by sin and he bought them out of the slave market of sin and bondage. And now you have heavenly riches in Christ. This is commendable. This is worthy of never-ending praise to Christ. 
again, as uh, the fact that we have been saved not because of who we are, but in spite of who we are, that should bring us to the place of never-ending praise. So Gaius, he had the ability to show hospitality in a praiseworthy way because he served a praiseworthy God. And if you're here this morning and you're in Christ, you have a very praiseworthy God. And we must do for others what Christ has done for us. We can consistently show hospitality to all because Christ faithfully keeps us. He faithfully loves us. He's consistently gracious to us. And we can be charitable in our hospitality because the love of God ran so deep for us in just the fact that He received us and He sent His own Son to pay for our sins. So, how is your hospitality this morning? Look, you, you can never be too hospitable. Let me just tell you that right now. Because you'll never be able to match what God has done for you. You never will. But God... As I said in the beginning here, this, this hospitality and, and, uh, that, that we are to give, it really, we're enabled to do that because of what God has put inside of us. He's given us His Holy Spirit. He has given us His love. So we can treat others as God has treated us and as God would treat other people because of what He has given to us, the Holy Spirit of God. But the question is, are you yielding to the Holy Spirit? Are you giving up control of your flesh and control of your, the, the way that you want to do things and allowing God to do this great work in you? I mean, look, how can we look at what Christ has done for us and not only be obedient in the area of hospitality, but also how can we look at that and not help but be fully committed to Him in all things? Amen. He is worthy of it. Listen, you owe Christ your life. You do. The only reason that you're sitting here and you have breath this morning is because of God. And you could take it in a moment. You owe Christ your life. But are you, are you keeping in remembrance what God has done for you? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit of God to work in your heart? I mentioned this last week, but just some brief practical ways that you can show hospitality is, is very simple. Have people in your home. Welcome people into your life. Welcome people into this church. Go out of the way to uh, get to know people that you don't really know. Get out of your comfort zone like we talked about last week and pursue hospitality. Amen. It is unnatural, which is why we need the help of God. It's why we need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need to also remember that God did that for us, which is unnatural as well. And that will help us to be more hospitable. That will help us to be fully committed to Christ. As this series is about becoming a great church member, being hospitable is part of being a great church member. It edifies the body. It knits us together in love, and it exemplifies the love of God. And knowing what God has done for you and what He continues to do for you, saving you from the wrath of God that you deserve, how can we do anything but be hospitable and loving to other people? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.